Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. All right, all right. Knock off the exercise over there. We got we got things to do here this morning. And now, without further introduction, we have Peter Wood from Let the Sawdust Fly in the studio with our good friend Ted Lovedall. Peter, I hope you had a wonderful holiday season. Good morning, Brad. Family. Good morning, folks good out morning. there. Yeah, we had a very nice family get-together and uh, over Christmas break for... Us guys that are lumberjacks, Christmas is kind of a very special time, and it's a, it's kind of like a little break, would you say, for the winter, because what happens yeah. here very shortly, we're all already wound up going pretty good, but Christmas is where a lot of guys, like Ted and I were talking earlier, Christmas Eve, a lot of guys will knock off earlier on Christmas Eve. Well, like, we worked pretty heavy on Christmas Eve, my family did, because I know I'd be in here to do a little bit of this talking, but... Uh, what else is that Christmas is a break where you know what's coming is a long, long road here, meaning we will be working yeah. six, seven days a week all the way till when you can't go anymore in the springtime. So a lot of guys will take new part of New Year's Day off, New Year, maybe part of New Year's Eve, and we have too many adult beverages. I don't do that, but some do. <laughs> Ted knows a little bit about that too in the past. But it's it's what it is, folks, is it's a little bit of a break. And then once you get that break over, you get that long, long woods grind is what I call it. It's You just go and you go and you go. Even uh, I still worked uh, yesterday some, and I still worked this morning already on um, Christmas Eve. And you do. you. It's like you never leave it. It's constantly going. And it, with that little yeah. bit of break... You you have, but now with now it's going to be that long long walk run all the way till the end, which is going to be anywhere somewhere in March or April when the bottom falls out in the woods. Well, Pete, uh, maybe you and and Ted can both talk about this a little bit. You know, the the average person that's listening this morning that doesn't spend time out in the woods logging, and that's probably ninety nine percent of them. They're probably listening to you talk about this, and they're saying, "Oh, well, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute." Why would logging be good now? Winter's going to set in. You're going to get snow. You got this. But tell them about being able to drive across the peat bogs and places that maybe you couldn't get to trees before and why winter is such an important part of the logging season. Good morning, Brad. Uh, Good morning. The, uh, in the wintertime, well, in the summertime, you can't get across them bogs. <clears throat> They're some of them that we get across are, are, are actually floating bogs, and you've got to uh, freeze them down. Years ago, the men would walk shoulder to shoulder across that to freeze it down. <clears throat> Nowadays, they'll take a snowmobile and cross that a few times and, and morning and night till it gets froze down so you can get the equipment in there to get way back in because you, uh, okay. you might have two or three of them places to cross to get back into where the good timber is. And that's where sure. the men are out there working. So we, the wintertime is, is our, our glory days. That's when we really make, as they say, that's when you make the hay. And, yeah. Uh, now, Ted, uh, Ted Lovedall, you logged up in the what area mostly? <clears throat> what, what area of the state? Uh, up in the north central, uh, like we're, uh, where we live, Effie's 140 miles northwest of Duluth. And uh, okay. we logged in northern Itasca and Kuchkin County a lot. And 
We had, uh, <clears throat> when I was younger, we had a 50,000-acre spot that we logged in. Wow. And uh, we had a lot of now, men you, out you, there. Oh, well, I was going to ask about that, Ted, because I know that uh, in the heyday, that when you were really logging up a storm, uh, there were logging camps, and a lot of people, uh, the the business was a lot more labor-intensive back then. I wanted to just ask you the question. When you had, like, logging camps and you had a lot of men out in the woods doing that kind of work, the, the Christmas break... Uh, was there something special that happened during that period of time with the logging camps as well, or was it pretty much business as usual during that whole period of time? Pretty much business as usual, except on Christmas Day itself. The <clears throat> we always put a great big feed on for the men. Now our camp, we had our men run in in the bunkhouse. We run from a hundred to hundred and fifty men, and the cook wow. shack would feed a hundred. So the first group would go in, and then the second group would come in. And then the buses would take, we had school buses that we bought to transport the men back and forth. But the they had the, um, everything that you would want at home, that's why my dad had his cooks fixed for the men. So that that was a special okay. day for them. That was their day of rest. And, and, and mind you, a lot of these lumberjacks way back then, yeah, they'd go to town and hoop it up during breakup. But they were very religious men, so that was the day that they worshipped also. Okay. And uh, so there was a huge feed on for them, and, and, and I remember— Now, they, did you—Ted, did you bring uh, uh, worship services out to them? In other words, would a, would a minister, a priest, come mm-hmm. out uh, to put on services out at the logging camp? Yes, there was a fellow by the name of Reverend Herb Peters that uh, that done that. He would go to the logging camps— and uh, minister to the men. They would have a service <clears throat> in the bunkhouse, in the back of the bunkhouse. If, if they wanted, he would do it right in the main bunkhouse, but in the back part of the bunkhouse, and that was kind of divided off, and there was what we called a reading and filing room there, and that was probably 20, 24 feet long. It had several large tables in there where they could sit and read. And those that didn't, when he was preaching, they would go back there and sit. But most of the men were, like I said, were very religious. And I'm, I know okay. one fellow, Tony, one time, because <clears throat> when he retired, him and his brother had a big, they were big dairy farmers at Paines, uh, Painesville, and he had, they had lost their place during the Depression. And so he come work for Dad, and he always liked to go to the farm. So when there was uh, nothing to do with the woods, he would come up to the farm just to be around there. And one time, he was getting ready to go to Sunday school and church, and, Tony, do you want to go with us? You know, yes. And one of us <laughs> kids says, do you know the Bible, Tony? He said, I can recite it forward and backward. That's how these fellows were. Really? Yeah. Well, one of my wow. brothers so tested he was, him, and he did, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, I do know that during that period of time, there were a lot of people like that. My great, My grandmother... I uh, had an old worn Bible that she took to church, Baptist yeah. church, every week. Yep. And man, she could recite you a verse and oh. chapter as well. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. And there's something else in the logging camp <clears throat> that's different from today. You never, ever heard a man use a foul wood in the woods, the logging camp. Really? It was not that's allowed. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, See, I would have well, thought you know, in that Brad, kind of a setting. You know, they're maybe. swinging axes and saws, and you think they would have hit oh, a thumb yeah. or a knee and uh, <laughs> let one out, but really. No, you you just never heard a man use a foul word. I, I remember huh. one time 
one of my brothers, brothers next to me, uh, he had uh, done something and he swore. And one of the foremen says, Tom, that's not allowed in camp. You don't do that. <laughs> do you do it at home? No, because dad and mom had washed my mouth out with soap. Well, you don't do it there here either. Well, let me, I don't mean to throw in my own examples here, but let me throw in one. Uh, something I learned out in the woods at a very young age when I was uh, in, in high school, I worked a couple of years in the summer for my Uncle Tommy that worked up in the Brookston area, logged up there. And I hit myself with an axe one time. My job was twofold. I would help, I would bring the logs up onto the truck as we would go through and pick them up afterwards. Uh, They would throw a log up on the truck. I would hit it with a pick and then pull it up onto the truck. But before that, once they fell the trees, it was my job to take an axe and go limb the trees, you know, knock off any limbs that were in the way of the, of cutting them. And for some stupid reason, I had my foot up on the log one time, and I took this, took a swing with the axe, went right through the limb, and hit the side of my boot. Well, I knew I'd hit into my foot, and so I let out a, a yell, and my uncle came over, and I had sat down already, and I was going to try to take off my boot. My uncle taught me a lesson. He said, "Don't, don't undo that boot." Yep. I said, "What do you? What? It, why?" He said. Just keep it closed up like that. He said, I can see the cut in your boot that you hit into your foot. But he said, if you take your foot out of that boot right now, it's going to swell up and bleed like a sore thumb. He said, keep the boot on. We're going to take you to the hospital. He put me on his back and carried me like a half a mile out of the woods to a truck, Got me, t- took me to the Cloquet Community Hospital, and there they took off my boot. And it wasn't, by then it had congealed and the bleeding had already stopped and it was but it was a lesson i learned that i carried on with me to vietnam believe it or not is when you have an injury like that you never take off the boot because it just makes it worse that's right that's one thing the first thing we're told when we start going to woods with dad you know and because i like to go out there with the foremans and go out there and see what the guys were doing and would i pick up an axe yeah i'd pick it up you know and chop something and and we were told you ever cut yourself don't you take that coat or boots or whatever off because uh if you a lot of times it's the toes where you'd cut you know and oh yeah you left it there yeah. well peter that, that that sounds like it was a, a kind of a wonderful time yeah. in the camps back then with uh i can just visualize the nice big holiday meal with all the fixings and then the guys going to worship service after that, probably laying around like guys tend to do after they've uh, ate, eaten everything in the world. They want to take a little snooze, a little little nap. But then you got to get back to work pretty quick, don't you? Yes, you do. It, it changes in a hurry. Like like today, everybody's going to start going full bore, wide open. And the break doesn't come until you might have a little bit of break during New Year's. But then it's, that, like I was saying earlier, that long, long road. A lot of moving wood because you have to make your best money is right now coming in, and you will run really, really hard. So that's what I've said in the past. If you see a logger, a, a log truck, and the guy doesn't seem overly happy, there's reasons why because he's going to run a lot, a lot of hours, and it uh, and um, it's just how the life is in this business. It's kind of like yeah. Ted. Ted was a logger before me, and he's got a lot of very good, interesting stories that 
when he was younger, you know, I, I wasn't even in the world yet when he was in the logging camp. So that's why these guys come on. It's it's so interesting to hear these stories because you don't want to lose them because once these people are gone, you lose them unless they're put in a book or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Are Well, Ted, are there books about the old days in logging? Are there books that have been written that somebody can go back to. I, I remember when I was a kid, we went on a circle tour of the Great Lakes, and one of the things that stands out in my memory is when we went into Canada, my uh, stepdad showing me areas that had been logged, and all the logs were down in rivers and streams, and they were taking them down to the riverheads in uh, in these log jams or like uh, floating log things. Yeah. You don't see that anymore either. No, you don't see that at all. It, it used to be that they'd, they'd take it down to, the, like you said, the streams, the rivers, and float it to the mills. And yeah. uh, now they don't. Now it's all, well, <clears throat> when they kind of quit that, uh, it went by rail, and then they pulled the rails out in the middle 40s, and it started all going by truck. And okay. uh, that's the way it's done today. Now, our trucks were, were, were left the shop uh, at 5 o'clock this morning, heading out. Okay. Um, but uh, it's, um, <clears throat> it's a, lot, a lot of the trucks, you know, back then, folks, you got to remember one thing. A lot of the trucks back then were these small little single axle, they were glorified pickups. They would have yeah. like... Uh, dual tire, single axle, and they'd haul one to three cords. And so the, their hauls could not be very far. So you had to have all these satellite yards with the railroads. And the railroads would pull sure. the, the, the volume of, you know, like many truckloads from, let's say, up in Effie to International Falls or from way up north into Cloquet. And that's where you had to have the trains pulling. But as the trucks got better and better and better, you could haul that bigger load. Like today, our semis are not hauling one or two cords. You'll go broke before you even get out the door. You're hauling oh, yeah. probably 13 cords on the small side to 16, 17 cords on the high yeah. side. And so probably one railroad car would maybe handle that back then. Would it, Ted? Would it handle that much or no? No. Well, they'd, yeah, they'd handle that much back then. They one would, car, yeah, though. One car. Yeah, one yeah. car. Yeah. yeah. yeah and uh, the, the, we actually had a train that come into our camp, and uh, that would— I remember when the last uh, locomotive came in, steam engine, and uh, it uh, took the cars that were uh, were loaded and the ones that were empty and pulled them all out because then they pulled the track up. To go back to sure. that book, Brad, no, there really isn't one. I have been asked and asked and asked to write a book. And there's an attorney, a fellow that taught law at the University of Minnesota, and um, he lives uh, about a mile from us. And he was talking to one of my brothers, and he's been pestering me to write a book. And I, I'm not a writer. I'm a logger. I'm a farmer, you know. <laughs> he said, well, well, maybe he could help you write it. Maybe he could put it to put your thoughts down on paper for you. That's what he wants to do, Brad. He wants me to carry a, um, a dictaphone along with me or a recorder, and oh, when yeah. something comes up, uh, put it on there. And then he said he'd be my ghostwriter. So. Well, guys, guys, hold that hold that thought for a minute. We are a commercial radio, and we have to take a commercial break here. But but th- we're going to come back to that. But I do want to let people know about our friends over at the Cast Iron Bar and Grill in Pike Lake. They're serving up great food for great prices daily, while providing law live entertainment weekly. And of course, with New Year's coming up. 
big time to be up at the Cast Iron Bar and Grill. They feature bands every first weekend of the month, plus acoustic music every weekend featuring local musicians. There's always reasons to come out to the Cast Iron Bar and Grill. And if for some reason you can't make it up there for their daily specials, but believe me, you should. They're that good. Make sure you swing up on Saturday or Sunday mornings from 9 to 1 to indulge in Cast Iron's delicious breakfast menu. Choosing from anything, and they're all homemade. Build your own omelets, homemade pancakes, biscuits, and gravy, my favorite. Take advantage of their event center that's now open for weddings and birthdays and anniversaries. They can book up to 250 people for your accommodation and maybe even fit in a few more for special events. Vikings football is there. Come watch the Vikings on the big screen and six other TVs. Enjoy happy hour and drink specials uh, during all Vikings games. Friday night, John Segwin will be playing for his acoustic music starting at 7 o'clock. Cast Iron will be open at 3 p.m. on Monday, New Year's Eve. Happy hour all day. The Hillbilly Outlaws will start playing at 8.30. Balloon drop with prizes and champagne toast at midnight. So stop in at the Cast Iron Barn Grill off of Miller Trunk Highway in Pike Lake, Check them out on their Facebook page at the Cast Iron Bar and Grill or just give them a call at 218-729-7514 for their specials. And we'll be right back after this break. More of Sound Off is on the way. Coming up at 11, it's your daily fix of Rush. 710 and FM 98.1 WDSM. Giant Redwood, the larch, the fir, the mighty Scots pine. The smell of fresh-cut timber. The crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the lavatory. Yeah, you gotta go to the lavatory. You know, that's, that's <laughs> important. Sure, sure. That kind of well, reminds me of Christmas. One of the, the Neff, the family gave me a, a, a gift, okay, and from listening to the radio show. And they yeah. sent the nephew, one nephew wrote a note saying and it was about the radio show and i was reading and i was thinking where have i heard this before and it was from the radio show and i got at the very end i finally caught it and then i opened up the present you know what it was it was toilet paper oh man <laughs> say, brad, guys, say brad guys. Real, real quickly I, yeah. I i was talking to pete we've always i i've always expressed on this uh segment that uh i like the jack pine there's something about the jack pine maybe the name that yes. is appealing yeah. to me and i found a story yeah. uh late this year uh researchers in northern minnesota were uh, tracking wolves and they came across a champion state jack pine and this tree was 73 feet tall seven Whoa. feet around in circumference and the the crown measured 40 feet around so they found a champion state jack pine yeah. up in voyagers national park yeah, that would be huge yeah. when you look at it it's 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 a beautiful looking tree so to speak as kenny likes to call jack pines beautiful i find them eh. but as far as uh anything it's, it's going to be a pretty much a looking tree as far as getting any quality of material out of it, you look at the, he showed me it. When I look at a tree like that, I see something that will not produce very good fiber. Yeah. 
terrible lumber because limbs are so big in that it will make the fiber on that tree come off a saw just horribly because of how it is. Well, you know, Pete, you and you and uh, you and Ted both talk about this a little bit because one of our listeners sent me a note just now and said. The logging camps. Talk a little bit about life in the logging camps in regard to bathing, washing, laundry, uh, outhouses, shaving, bunk beds, the whole thing. I mean, uh, a little bit about hygiene in the logging camp. Was, What's hygiene? Was that a problem? <laughs> no, in our camp it really wasn't. First of all, the outhouse was back away, and that was what they called a, pardon me, a ten-holer. Ten men go oh, in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what they call. You it. really get to know now, friends there, don't yeah, you? Yeah. Now, when you, <laughs> you go really in, do, when you go into uh, uh, what we call the wash house, uh, there was six individual showers in there, and they were large. They were like uh, six by six, and then you okay. uh, come out of them, and you go. You just took uh, three, four feet, and then you took a. Uh, you turn to the right, and then there was a sauna in there. And then there was uh, oh, there were several okay. washing machines and there big washing machines. So the hygiene was very important and uh, to the lumberjacks because you get that many men in a in a bunkhouse and if they're not clean, you can imagine how that would reek. And so, oh yeah, and I, and and they're doing hard physical work, right. so they're sweating during the day. You yep. gotta gotta have some hygiene. Yeah. Well, guys, we have a caller on the line, Bill from up in the Ely area. He that just would like hung to ask a up, question. Bill. Oh, did you he gotta really? hang on? <laughs> Doggone him! <laughs> oh well, maybe he'll call back. <laughs> maybe he'll call but, back. But talk. Uh, Talk a little bit more about that, because that's kind of interesting. As you were saying, Ted, when you get 150 men in a camp like that, uh, if one of them's got bad B.O., you, everybody's going to know it. So uh, I can't imagine that I would have much of a, uh, uh, how do we say this, much of a constitution if I'm sitting in a uh, in a uh, ten-holer yeah. with ten other guys side-by-side side <laughs> trying to do my business. Yeah, that would be tough for me, too. But they did, and, you know, I... I I think probably the most I ever seen walking back there be two or three guys, but uh, that was that was back a ways. And when you come out of the bunkhouse, at the back end, if you walked straight back, that's where that was back probably hundred hundred and fifty feet from the bunkhouse. But when you come out okay. of the bunkhouse door, you'd make a right hand uh, turn, and that's where the big wash house is, is. What I would call it. That then that was huge. It even had a light plant in there. Because uh, our camp was all, everything was electric in there. Way back yeah. when I was a kid, I remember that. And before the REA come in, we had that. And um, So it, it was electric, but did you generate it yourself then, Ted? Yes, we had I mean, our own was... generator there, yes. Okay. Huge right. generator. And then, <clears throat> and then that, uh, there was a, I, I don't remember how many, but there was a huge huge battery packs in there so when the generator was going it would run it would um, uh, charge up all them batteries so at night you you walk by that you could hear that even though that was pretty well muffled down you could still hear it but at night when lights were off the generator would go down and they would run off of the them big battery packs would keep all the lights going and we have when, when you talk about uh, when you talk about lights out, we by the way we do have Bill from Ely back on. Bill, thank you for calling back. Uh, did you have a question for our logging people? Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm in the logging business. Uh, I know Peter. Okay. And uh, okay. I, didn't, I didn't know if Peter knew this, but my boss Elroy 
this time coming up, he calls it the hundred year war. Or yeah, a hundred month war or whatever. And uh that's and that's what it is. We're talking guys working the the family guys working sixteen hours a day, you know, and sometimes seven days oh, a week yeah. and and uh boy we, we really hit it. And this year we got I understand we got six hundred lo- loads to haul, so we well, are going to be busy. Well, Bill, thanks for calling. Say hi to Elroy for me. Um, with, yes, I know the family up there. It it does become like that. It's it's you are wide open every day, and you kind of get when you get to a certain point. What actually happens, folks? You'll get to a certain point. It usually to me, it's right around Super Bowl time. Is at that time of the year is you will start to get a little buzziness in your head, kind of because you're going so much, and then you get almost a little bit down, a little bit depressed. Because you're looking at that last surge, and then as you get farther into it, then you start to get more relieved because you know the end is in sight. You know what I'm talking about, Bill? You've experienced that. Yeah, yeah, I have, and uh, yeah, it's a good thing, though. It's, I mean, what else are you going to do in the winter but uh, feed your family and uh, <laughs> and uh, get to all these great blessings from God, all this beauty we get to see and share, and the yes. animals. And oh, yeah. It, it, there's there's rewards, believe me, yeah. a lot of rewards, Bill. Bill, I have a question for you. This is Brad. Uh, this incoming weather pattern that we have starting tonight, does that slow you guys down at all when it's snowing? If you get six, eight inches of snow in a day, does it slow you down at all, or do you guys just work right through it? Well, they'll work in the woods, but I uh, already told me that uh, I won't be hauling tomorrow probably. I'm I'm almost yeah. into Duluth now, but uh, going to the paper mill, but... Uh, yeah, we'll probably get uh, no trucking tomorrow, but uh, then we'll pick her back up as soon as the road clears off. It all comes down okay. to the road conditions and that. Some guys will go full bore into it. Some guys will hold back on the trucking a little bit. It depends. Every operator is a little bit different, but it's sure. it's still you go right into it, and if it gets real bad, you want to slow down. You have to slow down with it. It's just that you keep going. Some do, some don't. I've had some loggers say where they're going with their truck and the truck starts to overheat because they're pushing through so much snow, and the snow is plugging the radiator, and it's keep puffing up, puffing up, puffing up. Bill knows exactly what I'm talking about. You get on some of these back roads, there's nobody going through, and you see these drifts across the county road, and you're going through it, and you just keep going. And if the truck heats up too much, what you do is you have to wait till you find a hill that's downhill so you can get going again because your tires are all warming up, and they're going to cup in the snow. And when they cup in the snow, you're going to spin out, and you're stuck right there in the road. So you got to try and make wow. the hill, and you're ready to start going downhill. It's starting to heat up too much. What you do is you stop there so you can get going again. <laughs> There's all kinds of tricks, but, yeah, oh, it, you'll be driving through the snow, and it'll just poof over your hood. Poof. <laughs> it's hard to describe, but it does well, happen. Well, Bill, thank you very much for calling back from Ely uh, while driving on the road down to Duluth. And, guys, we're going to ask you to hold your fire for a little bit here while we do our Fox News break, and then we're going to come back and talk. I want to talk a little bit more about hygiene and stuff, too. I'm getting other people sending me questions and notes on it. So we'll be right back after this Fox News break on Sound Off in the Morning. You're sounding off with Brad Bennett. Coming up at 11, keep yourself one step ahead with Rush Limbaugh. 710 WDSM. Updates brought to you by Lady O'Collins Emporium, 31 West Superior Street, a place of magic in downtown Duluth. 722-2240. That's Lady O'Collins Emporium. 710 WDSM is now broadcasting on 98.1.
course, we have to have Witty Herman's Woodchopper's Ball for this segment of Let Your Sawdust Fly, eh, Brad? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Little Woodchopper's Ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of reminds Say, you of the old uh, times, doesn't it? It does. Say, Pete, uh, one of our listeners asked, was that Bill Cool Avili? Or uh, is it. Is it Cooley? K U E H L? The family name from Ely is Kuehl. K H. I think it's K H U E L, Kuehl. They're Kuehl oh, okay. logging. It's, uh, the, the dad of it's passed away just lately, uh, but their family is based out of Ely. I think there was three boys and one daughter, and the daughter lives up in the Finland area. And, but the oh, family's okay. been logging for, oh, they came out of uh, the Wisconsin area. Their dad did, and I think yep. he, they started logging, I'm going to say, in the 40s or something like that. They've been a long, established wow. for a long time. Very good, hardworking okay. family. They are. Well, and, and Ted, I, the, one of our listeners had another question on the laundry situation. Did you actually have washers and dryers, or did you turn your laundry over to a, a, a like a wash lady that would wash the clothes for the people when they were out working, or... Or did they do it on a like a coin operated deal? There, there was the the camps had uh, had what they called a bull cook, and the bull cook's job was to see to it the fires were going and that the bunkhouse was clean, and if there was okay. a man that had uh, terrible hygiene come in, he was the bull cook took him out to the wash house, had him strip, and he was sent into one of the showers, and then the clothes went into the wash machine. We had uh, had some. Big washing machines back there because the bull cook also kept all the blankets for all the beds cleaned. Uh, the men oh, could make their okay. bed, but he they they had to be changed every week, just like you would do at home. And they were yep. taken in there and thrown in the, there. And there was dryers in there too. I don't remember how them dryers were worked back then. If they went through were dried run on gas or electricity, but there was were washers and dryers, and there was. I can see the whole line of dryer or washing machines there. And uh, it seemed to me every time you went into that uh, wash house, there was uh, some of them uh, washing machines going. On the weekends, sure. the men, some of the men washed their own, you know, but the bull cook's job was to see to it everybody had good hygiene and to wash them blankets from the beds. Wow. Yeah. He was, and he being was, a cook and a... But being a cook in a camp like that, that had to be a big deal, too, because you had to turn out a good quality food, but you also had to do it to mass numbers of people. So it had to be things that could be uh, cooked in a hurry, stews yeah. and things like that. Yeah, well, there, we had to, in, in the uh, cook shack, there was the cook himself, the head cook, and then there was always three cookies in there. Okay. And uh, it seemed that they were the cooks was it was going all the time. You know, the the chief cook he done the uh, uh, the setting up. He seen that the uh, meat was prepared in the back of the uh, when you went out the door on the on the back end of the kitchen and you just turned to left. There was a great big walk-in cooler. You'd think that they weren't back in them days. Yes, there was a huge walk-in cooler back there. It would take. You could hang about uh, uh, ten beef back there, you know, like you take a critter sides and of beef, yeah. yep, it'd, oh, so sure. it'd be like twenty sides of beef would fit in that cooler. So um, wow. the the uh, one of the cookies that a cook that had done the uh, the cutting of that meat, uh, there was there was always there was different things that were on that table all the time. There was always meat in the morning. There was hot cakes, potatoes, eggs, and meat of some kind. The the, the meat potatoes. Oh, yeah. 
there were hotcakes. There was sauce on the table. There was always prunes on the table. And uh, there Figure was that one out, right? Wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got the mind thinking on always that one, huh? prunes on the table? Yeah, yeah. There, was, was that to keep the men regular? Keep them we regular, yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and there was always cake, cookies, and pie. Always. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you, Ted, one of those cookies, I'll bet you his job was was bread, make fresh bread all the time. I bet you when the guys came in at lunch, they probably had fresh bread to go with their meal, buns, things for dinner. Yep. The the bread was baked every single day, as was, uh, uh, well, pastries. uh, Like I said, there was always pie. There was always cake. There was always cookies on that table. And fresh oh, bread. It's, Kenny's looking for a logging job. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, everybody always said that my dad never had to go looking for men. A lot of men, uh, loggers had to go looking for men. In fact, they'd come to Duluth to get uh, get men. Uh, but wow. uh, our camp, because my dad seen to it, everybody was fed the best. Because my dad was an orphan at the age of seven. His parents, my Aww. grandparents died. And so he's kind of booted around and run away uh, when he was 11 years old and struck out on his own. And so he said, "My more than once, he went without something to eat. He said, my men will never go without anything to eat. He always fed the wow. best. And uh, yeah, people would go through there. They'd like to stop at Camp 29 to get something to eat because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they fed them pretty good. They really fed so, them good so, there. So, Ted, did, did automation kind of... And was that the end of the logging camps, as we're talking about now, where all of a sudden now you could just have some guys to come out in the woods during the day? Yes. Uh, they're automated. Yep. You don't need as many people, that yep. kind of thing? That's right. Yeah. Uh, when we we started with the, uh, I said before, with we brought I brought the Timberjack into, into the United States, basically, because um, we had the first one. And when you... You get two or three of them machines there. Well, every every one got rid of uh, probably uh, two or three team of horses, and uh, the men would, instead of uh, bucking it up shortwood uh, in the woods for the, uh, on the strip where the uh, teamsters would come and put it, the wood on the drain hauled out, the timberjacks would take that, they would drop it, trim it, uh, in other words, take the limbs and everything off, and then they'd take it out to the landing, and then there was a crew out there that cut it up into 100-inch wood. And what he means by okay. timberjack, folks, is it was a cable skitter. Us in the logging industry know exactly what he's talking about, but to clarify it, timberjack was a skitter built. It had four-wheel drive, big tires on it for the time. It had a cable fairly out the back where you'd hook the, and it would pull the trees out with a, with a cable skitter. And that's what was, sure. we all call them timberjacks yeah. <laughs> back then. I don't yeah. know why, but okay. we all did. Well, see, the one that originally came in was called a timberjack. That's, I've got pictures of that. And, in fact, I'm going to have to uh, bring one to show Pete. Uh, I may even have a parts book from one of them old timberjacks yet. It's pretty it, cool, wow. actually. I like yeah. looking at that old yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know. it's, uh, well, I'll tell you what, Ted. Uh, I, I think you do have to do what that, uh, what that lawyer's talking about up there. I think you've got to put your... Put your thoughts together, and I think it would be an interesting book to talk about what the logging camp days used to be like in northern Minnesota. See, now he's on yeah. record, and now yeah. everybody knows, so he's <laughs> got to do it. So I'm putting him, he's going to hear about it and hear about it and hear about it. So, and I'll, I will get some pictures in there of, of uh, the, the uh, 
teams with the uh, drays with the wood bringing it out, and then the uh, oh yeah jammers taking it off of there and putting it on the trucks, and it's. Uh, well, it's, we're talking about days gone by yeah. in logging, unfortunately, but uh, but it sounds like it was kind of a romantic era. I'm surprised somebody hasn't made a a, a movie about uh, the old mm. days in logging camps and what that must have been like, too. Well, my mother did take some, uh, remember when the old 8-millimeter millim- camera come out? Oh, sure. And my mom sure. had some of them there. Of course, there's no voices on it, but... Uh, uh, my brother Rodney, I think it was, or my brother Connie, took a bunch of them and uh, and cut and pieced some of them together. But that shows the guys skidding and the uh, jammers taking it, putting it onto the trailers, and then the then we went from the jammers uh, to the uh, swing boom jammer to the cranes. Uh, Dad had sure. two big cranes out there that loaded trucks, and uh, all of that is we've got it on eight millimeter someplace, and I. Um, it would be good to put some of that to, together. That would be and, interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are always fun to well, look at. I, I, guys, uh, we got to end the segment, but I have one last question for, for Peter. Uh, uh, Peter, when you're out in the woods now on this, well, as Bill, Bill called it, like a, a, a war almost to, be, to get as much logging as you can during this period of time when you can drive across the bogs and do all that kind of stuff. Yep. Do do you worry about your uh, your health or maybe a little bit if you're spending 16, 17 hours, do your skills go down a little bit? Are you worried that um, maybe you'll that's, you'll worry about your safety a little bit or something? That's what I was saying to the listeners out there. When you see a log truck going, he might be a little bit cranky. What happened? When the first things you start to notice is you get crabby really fast. Your little things <laughs> that shouldn't throw you off mad does because you're running on not enough sleep. It's the nature of our business. It's like, Ted, once you're a logger and been doing it for a while, you never are not a logger. Like like how you, Brad, are a Marine. Yeah. You're not a retired yeah. Marine. You're a Marine. No. And no matter yeah. what, when once you become a logger and you've been doing it a long time, you will always be a logger. You always think like a logger. And, yeah, you, you can run yourself too ragged if you don't get enough sleep, which happens a lot, which is not sure. the most healthiest, and it can shorten your life, yes, but I guess once you're in those shoes, it seems like you don't think of nothing else. It's it's what you want to do if you really bite into it and you really want to do it. And that's why sure. with, like my son, I said, if you want to do this, you better really want to do this because it's well, not a lighthearted thing. It is not. You're no, not going to go into it and no, just no, go yeah. half-heartedly. Well, and I think I heard that from Bill from up in Ely this morning too when he called and he said, you know, we love being out in the woods. It's something infectious. Uh, Very it's much. almost yeah. like an infection that gets yeah. into your soul being out there in the yeah, crisp it's, air. It's exactly. Yeah. It, it, it is, it's what we call a good, clean living out there. You good, clean air to breathe, and it's, it gets into your blood. Uh, yes, I've been retired. My youngest brother and nephews are running the business now, but it's in that blood forever. I, there's nothing more I love to, than to go out to the woods and watch that timber coming down and being skidded in and cut up and loaded up oh, in the yeah. trucks it's it's something that's that's part of you you bet well pete woods and uh, ted lovedall thank you both so much uh, for your time this morning it's been an enjoyable segment again as always and uh, we invite people if you uh, if you got somebody that loves logging and maybe they didn't get to hear this uh, show this morning uh, kenny podcasts these shows every day you can go and pull the file up for today 
Uh, but thank you very much, and stay safe out there in the woods. We're going to take our Wisconsin much, news Brad. break. We do appreciate thank you. it. Thanks, we really do. Thank, we do. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. You betcha, yeah. Ted. And we'll be back shortly, uh, folks, with more sound off here on the uh, Wednesday morning in the Northland.